Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Epistle Lesson, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. We read in Jesus' name. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being united in spirit, and having one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility consider one another better than yourselves. Let each of you look carefully not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Indeed, let this attitude be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed, but he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant. When he was born in human likeness and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So far our text, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered in your house once again to be strengthened in our faith. We pray then that you would speak to us through your word. Pour out your spirit upon us and strengthen our faith in Jesus. Make us more and more confident of his love. We pray also that his love would change us. Shape us into the people that you want us to be. To these ends, sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Christ Jesus, dear fellow redeemed. For about three years, I've wanted to fix the defroster on the rear window of our Tahoe. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, I finally talked to a member, Dale Mize, And about a week ago, we actually looked at it to try and fix it. We began by, or I should say Dale began, by checking whether power was getting to the back window. So he pulled out his meter and put the probe in there. The light came on. There was power. So the next thing he did was check the tabs where those electric cables plug in. Sure enough, one of those tabs had been repaired previously, but obviously very poorly. In fact, when he touched it, it pretty much just broke off. And then he also noticed that that tab wasn't making contact with the circuit. If you don't know how a defroster works, this is how it does. Electricity runs through those lines you can see on the back window. And as it runs through those lines, there's a resistance. And that resistance generates heat as the electric current runs through it. 
And so that heats up, and that's what defrosts your window. Well, without a good contact with that tab, the electricity couldn't flow through the circuit, so it just remained cold. The solution was to make sure there's a good contact so that circuit could be complete and the electricity could flow through and, and change what we wanted it to change, that it would heat up. Well, that idea of connection is implicit in our text. Here again, the first verse. It says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... The connection that Paul was drawing to the Philippians' attention and yours and mine is the connection with Christ. And because of that connection, Christ's love flows through the individual. Christ's love changes the individual so that it's warm and loving. In fact, Christ's love changes people. It humbles and it unites. Paul has two very strong sections in our text on humility. I'm going to read them again for you just to keep them fresh in your mind. The first is verse 3. He says, or he said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility... Consider one another better than yourselves. And then in the second section, he held before us the great example of Christ. And he said, indeed, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was by nature God, he did not consider equality with God as a prize to be displayed. But he emptied himself by taking the nature of a servant when he was born in human likeness and his appearance was like that of any other man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul wrote to the Philippians that Christ's love would change them so that they would become humble, that they would live each day in humility. Well, why did he have to write that? Obviously, it's because humility isn't something that comes naturally to us. In fact, by nature, we're selfish. And our culture and the people around us often in many ways encourage us to put ourselves first, to pursue our dreams and make sure that we get what we want. So selfishness is what comes natural. But notice, humility is thinking of others as better than yourselves. It's, it's placing others first. That, to a limited extent, we can do on the outside. In fact, we can build the facade of humility 
where we do things that make us appear humble to others. But maybe you've even noticed at times like I have that I'll do something because I know that's what I should do. But inside, I'm doing it reluctantly and I may even be holding a grudge. That's not humility. Humility isn't about the outside. It's about the inside. It's about changing the way that we think and feel towards others and looking at them as if they're better. Apparently, when I was about four, my brother would have been about two, if he had a toy that I wanted, I wanted to play with, I would go and find a toy that I thought that he would like to play with more. And then I'd sit down in front of him and begin playing with that toy. Well, when he would see it, he would come over and grab it, and then I'd get the toy that he just left behind, the one that I really wanted. Now, on the surface, it may think, you may look at that and say, oh, well, that was, that was very smart and kind for him to go and find something that his brother would like more, and then everyone's happy, mom and dad are happy. You know. But what was my motive? I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty confident. I was being totally selfish. I just wanted to get the toy that I wanted to play with. So I worked out a way where I could keep everyone happy and still get what I wanted. That's not humility. It wasn't concern for my brother that caused me to do that. It was my own selfishness. I wanted to make sure that I got what I wanted. That was manipulation. Maybe you can think of circumstances where you've done something outwardly good, but inwardly, you were just being selfish. You were just getting what you wanted. God doesn't want us just to be outwardly humble. He wants to change us on the inside. And this is totally contrary to our nature. And that's why this humility has to be produced by Christ's love. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that we can't manufacture on our own. God has to change us. God has to humble us. That was certainly Paul's motivation in holding up the example of Christ for us. He was not, by pointing to the humility of Christ, he was not preaching the gospel. He was preaching the law. He was saying, you look at Jesus, and you look at yourself. You look at what he did, and you look at what you do. And see how far short you fall of that great example. God wants to humble us so that we see ourselves properly. But that example of Christ also reminds us of why Jesus was humble. Jesus was humble because He loves us. 
Jesus humbly took the guilt of all of your sins and allowed himself to be treated as if those sins were his. All of your sins. The sins that only God knows about because he sees into your heart. Jesus took all of them and said, I'm going to be treated as if they are mine. And I'm going to be nailed to the cross and I'm going to suffer and die in payment for all of those sins. Jesus humbly served you that way because he loves you. He wanted God to be able to forgive you. So he gave his life. And because Jesus died and rose again, you are forgiven. You are forgiven not only of the sins that everyone else sees. You are forgiven of all the sins that God sees. The sins of your thoughts and your hearts. God really loves you. Because Jesus humbly bore your sins. So you now have come in contact with Christ's love. You now have received the forgiveness of all of your sins through His life, death, and resurrection. Christ's love is flowing into you so that you would be changed. So that you would be humbled and united. The fact is that until we understand properly our relationship with God, we can never have a proper understanding of our relationship with one another. Humility changes how we see ourselves and how we see one another. C.S. Lewis said it this way, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. What Lewis was pointing out was humility causes us to look at others and to think about them more than we think about ourselves. And so Christ unites us so that we would think about others more. Notice what Paul said in our text. He said, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being united in spirit, and having one mind. When Christ's love connected with you and changed you, you weren't just connected to Christ. You were connected to everyone who believes in Him. You were united with all true believers. In our culture today, we still have this sense of family connection, though I would suggest it is diminished. It's diminished from previous generations and certainly from other cultures. Partly because we, we tend to scatter more nowadays. Instead of remaining in the same town all of your life, we travel to the ends of the earth. Okay? 
but we still have this sense of family connection. We'll get together for holidays and special events because we're family. God wants you to have that sense of connection with all believers that you are united, you are connected with one another. In fact, God speaks of the members of Christ being so intimately connected that they are parts of the same body. We are all members of Christ's body. Each of us a separate part and yet intimately connected for the good of the body. And so you are a part of Christ's body and you are sitting next to other parts of Christ's body. Whether you're aware of it or not, you are connected. Now, there is a real danger for the church in this time of pandemic. Because we are constantly being told to distance ourselves from one another, to separate ourselves in the church. We need to be then even more mindful of the connection that we have with one another. Now, I am not suggesting that we should ignore medical precautions. But we need to act more diligently in this time to foster and nurture the relationship that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. It isn't something that we should just give lip service to. And yet that is so easy for us to do. Maybe you've had a fellow Christian or a friend share a difficulty that they're going through and you say to them, I'm going to pray for you. And then the next time you see them, you remember, oh, I told them I would pray for them. That's giving lip service to the connection that we have with them. We are to cherish the unity that we have in Christ. We're to nurture it and foster it at every opportunity. And that begins by being aware of it. So that we can say Christ's love has changed us and it's brought us all together. It's united us so that we would love each other. The importance of this connection that we share in Christ is really brought out in the last part of our text. Paul tells us about the day when Jesus comes back to the earth. And he says, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There are only going to be two groups of people on that day. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. One group will be cowering in fear. Oh no. Jesus is Lord. The other group will be bowing in joy and praise. Yes, Jesus is Lord. The people that you are sitting with today, 
They are going to be with you in that second group because Christ's love has touched them just as it has touched you and it has changed them just as it has changed you. And that connection that you share with them is an eternal connection. It is a bond that we will celebrate and enjoy in heaven. Therefore, because it is an eternal, lasting bond, it is more important than any earthly connection that we have. Our unity in the body of Christ is something that we should treasure, foster, and nurture. May God change you. May He open your eyes so that you see the people that He has connected with you around you. And may you celebrate that, that connection. Celebrate it by supporting each other as we walk through the difficulties of this life together and finally get to heaven. So that connection with Christ, that reception of His love, it's to flow through you. It's to change you. To humble you so that you can see your sin and God's great love for you in Christ. That you are forgiven and dearly loved by God. That you are united with all true believers. A unity that will last forever. May God bless us with Christ's love and change us by the power of His Spirit until together we're finally before God's throne in heaven forever. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.